0: Good morning. I'm so excited to open up God's Word with you today. So go ahead and grab your Bibles or devices and turn to the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. And we're going to be in chapter 5, reading from verses 1 through 5. So Matthew 5 one through five. And as you turn in there, uh, we are continuing our series, The Beatitudes. And we've been in there for a few weeks now. And basically just the foundation of what's going on here in the Beatitudes is that Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And he's beginning the Sermon on the Mount with his introduction of giving the Beatitudes, which kind of serve as the foundation for the entire Sermon on the Mount altogether. And what God is calling us to through these Beatitudes is that for followers of Christ, for you and me, to align our thoughts, our minds, and our hearts to the will of God. And so as we read our passage this morning, I want us to read the prior uh, verses uh, at, that we've already studied just to kind of as a refresher uh, before we get to our chapter 5, or verse 5, our main verse for today. So read along with me Matthew 5, starting verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And in our verse for today, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. When we began the series, Pastor Chad I explained that each of these Beatitudes start out with blessed are. And is a call for the Christians to, to be able to align our hearts to God and it's saying that we will be blessed by this attribute that they would speak of. And our attribute this morning is meek. Now, let's be honest. Meek is not a very popular word that we use uh, in our vocabulary these days. And so let me give you the Greek word that's being used here. The Greek word that is used for meek is c- called pros. And pros literally means power under control. See, a lot of times meekness is confused and and understood to be a weakness or being someone being timid or shying away from, but actually the true meaning of pros, what's being used here meek is that is power under control. Let me explain it in a few different ways. Consider uh, the Greek would use the word meek to describe medicine, that with a proper dose of medicine, it could bring great healing but an overdose can be harmful or even cause death. They use it to be able to describe the wind, where a gentle breeze can be very refreshing and cooling to us, but a tornado or hurricane can cause destruction and destroys everything in its past. They also used the word meek to describe breaking in horses. See, the idea was not to break the horses of its strength, of its speed, but rather to the goal was to break the horse of its stubbornness and its self-will so it could be controlled and able to use its strength and its power, yet under the control of the rider, where these strong and powerful beasts were controlled by that small metal bit just in their mouth. But let's think about it another way here. How many of you are familiar with the story Ferdinand the Bull? Yeah, you know, I'm not talking about that one that came out a few years ago. I'm thinking of the old-time Disney classic, that short film, Ferdinand the Bull. So let me catch you up on this, just since, if it's been a while since you've seen the movie. Ferdinand was a, a young bull, and rather than playing with the other bulls and going and butting heads and fighting against and showing how strong they were, Ferdinand was often found under the shade of this this big tree smelling the flowers and enjoying the view. And over the years Ferdinand grew and grew and grew and became this massive beast of a bull. And all these bullfighters came because they wanted to put a big bullfight in their town and they came and they saw all these bulls and these other bulls were showing off. And Ferdinand is over there smelling his flowers. But on this particular day, a bee is in the flower and it stings Ferdinand, which sends him to a rage. And he goes and he crashes through the other bulls. He he plows through walls, and just makes a huge mess of everything. And these bullfighters all look at Ferdinand and say, he is the most ferocious, the most powerful, the most scariest bull we've ever seen. And so they bring Ferdinand to this big bullfight. It's the big show of the time. And they bring these famous bullfighters in, and the most famous bullfighter is going to go against Ferdinand. And when Ferdinand walks out, everyone is amazed with how big and powerful and strong he is. And even the bullfighter is scared. But little good old Ferdinand wasn't concerned about fighting. He wasn't concerned about hurting anybody. That was not his intent. No, he was actually more excited to see a bouquet of flowers and flowers being thrown into the arena. And so the fight never happened. And this big, strong, powerful bull contained his strength and went back and was left. And they they even joked that he's probably still sitting under that tree enjoying the view in this beautiful flowers. See, Ferdinand had all the strength and power to cause pain and damage, yet he chose not to give in. what was expected of him to act like a bull. So let me ask you this. Out of these illustrations, which one sticks out to you the most? Is it the medicine that we're like our words can bring healing through encouragement and compassion to another person? Or our words can cut people down through slander or gossip and harshness? What about the wind? Is it where we come into people's presence and in people's lives? Is it refreshing to them or do people shy away from us because of the destruction that we can bring? Or what about the horses being broken in? Are we willing to submit to God's will or stubbornly fight him at every turn only to end up still losing that fight? Or what about Ferdinand? Can you relate to Ferdinand that are we going to follow the expectation and traditions of the day Or will we allow God's word to guide us through our decisions and what we do? See, to be meek requires us to rely solely on God and submit to his authority in our lives. And the Bible offers many examples of those who have been meek. See, I think of Joseph, where Joseph was growing up, he was mistreated by his brothers. He was falsely accused and then thrown into prison. Yet God exalted him to become second in command in all of Egypt, actually rescuing the whole country of Egypt and the surrounding people there. And when his brothers came to Joseph, not even knowing who he was, begging for food, begging for help, rather than seeking revenge, rather than going against them, he chose to be meek and chose the opposite. And he, rather than going and having, being violent and choosing vengeance, He chose to care for his brothers and support them and help them. See, it was power under control. Then I think about David, King David. He was anointed to be king, but Saul was still king and was hunting him down like a criminal. And there was two different occasions where David had the opportunity to actually kill Saul. And even at the urging of his men and everybody around him wanting him to go and kill Saul, David chose to refrain from doing that because he wanted to honor the Lord, that Lord had placed Saul in that position, and he wanted to honor Saul for being the king of Israel. But the ultimate example of meekness is found in Jesus. See, the almighty God, the creator of the universe, the great I am, Yahweh himself, left his throne to come be born as man in a dirty stable and laid in a manger and then grew up in the rough part of town. And then at any moment, he could have snapped his fingers and had legions of and thousands upon thousands of angels come to serve him, to protect him, to fight his battles for him. Yet he chose not to. God came and all, with all his strength and his power and greatness of who he is, chose to humble himself to be man. And though was tempted to sin, never gave into sin. Yet he chose to live out what it means to be meek amongst us. And said even more, while we were still yet sinners, And then we deserve the death. We deserve the punishment and the consequence for our sins. Jesus willingly walked to the cross and he went and he gave up his life and he died a gruesome death on the cross. And where people thought he was hung there by nails, it wasn't the nails that held him, but it was his love and compassion for us. And it was through his death and ultimate resurrection, that our freedom was purchased. That whoever believes in him can have eternal life. See, this is the greatest example that the world has ever seen of meekness playing out. Because of his great love for you and for me, Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If we confess that Jesus is Lord and has risen from the grave, we can have salvation. We no longer have to give into our sin and give into the things of this world, but no, we can find freedom in that relationship with Jesus. See, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is calling us to take on this attribute of being meek. See, he wants us to live out meekness. And in its biblical meaning, and its true understanding of what it is, that is impossible apart from Jesus. See, we would be like that medicine that would come in and with our words, would come and tear people down and cause pain and hurt. We would be like that wind that would come in and be destruction. We wouldn't be refreshing. No, we ultimately in ourselves ourself, our own strength would cause damage. See, we would be the ones, we wouldn't be that, we'd be that horse that'd be unwilling to be broken because we wouldn't want to submit. We would only think about ourselves rather than thinking about others. And we wouldn't be like Ferdinand. We would give into traditions and the expectations of the world around us. But it is through Jesus working in and through us that allows us to be able to add this attribute of meekness to our lives. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, um, verse 28. See, in all the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is 89 chapters. And it tells the account of Jesus' life and his ministry here on earth. And all these chapters and all the times where we see his life, his ministry, his service, his sacrifice, and ultimately resurrection, there is only one place in all this text that Jesus reveals what's going on in his heart. He reveals what his heart is seeing and not his emotions, but who he is essentially to who he is as a person. And so I want to read that for you, that place. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, this is an invitation to everyone. It's for those who are tired of trying to do it on their own. It's those who are frustrated and worn out. It's those who feel like they're on the hamster wheel, just running and running as hard as they can, yet not getting anywhere in life. It's for those who think they have messed up way too much, and it's those who are tired of carrying the guilt of carrying the weight of guilt and shame. Have you ever felt these things before? Have you ever felt that your good was not good enough? Have you ever felt that you're not even worthy to even talk to God? You're not worthy of what Jesus is saying here, but what does He say? What is the heart and intentions of his heart? He's saying, "Come." and rest. See, life is hard and life can be tiring at times. And not because you may have kids and your job may be hard or difficult, but just the pressures and the weight of this world can be exhausting in itself. See, you and I all have different stories that we come from. We all have different things that are burdening us and that can be weighing us down. Yet Jesus is saying, come and rest. He's saying, I don't want you to go through life alone. No, I want you to do this together See, he wants you to know that we're not alone in this fight called life. But he says, take my yoke upon you. See, the yoke, we don't use this term very often. It's a farming term where two cattle would have this wooden bar, this post that would go around their necks, and they would be able to carry the burden and carry the load together. And they would equally share it. And what Jesus is saying, no, let me walk along, alongside you. Let me carry this with you so you don't have to carry it alone. And what he say? For I am gentle. That word there is the same Greek word as meek. It is pros, the Greek word. And so what Jesus is saying when I have says I am gentle and lowly of heart, I am meek and I am humble, and I'm wanting you to come. And my heart is for you. I'm not looking down at you as a tyrant. I'm not judging you of the, you continually to turn away from me. No, he is saying. Same thing to you over and over again. Come, I want to do life with you. I want you to come to me and find rest. See, Jesus is the father in the story of the prodigal son. He is the one standing, looking, and waiting, and hoping for his beloved child to turn back to him. See, Jesus is where it says in Revelations that he is standing at the door, knocking, and waiting for us to join him. See, Jesus is there, and he wants us to live out what it means to be meek. He wants us not to go and follow the things of our world. He wants us to take our own power, our own strength, and use it for our good and his glory. He wants us to to go and to care care about others, to serve others. He wants us to, to tell other people about his love for them. And he says, when you have the difficulties of life, when you have this weight and you have this burden, I want you to bring it to me because my burden is light, and I will give you rest. See, Jesus is looking for us to follow Him. And you and I have a choice. Are we going to continue to follow the ways of this world and the ways of our sin? Or are we going to choose to follow Jesus? You see, Jesus is wanting us to turn to Him. He's wanting those who don't have a relationship with Him to recognize their need for a Lord and Savior. He wants you, and that is you today, I want you to listen in to me. Jesus deeply desires to have a relationship with you. He no longer wants you to carry that burden of guilt and shame. No, He willingly died on the cross so that you, once again, that for whoever believes in Him could have eternal life. That if you believe that He is Lord and that He rose from the grave, Romans 10, 9 told us, if we confess with our mouth, we will be saved. So stop right now and pray those words. Pray in your own words, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved from my sin. Now for followers of Christ, if you're listening today, I just want to encourage you that Jesus is not far from you when you mess up. No, Jesus loved you the most when he died on the cross and He is still there, not looking down to you as a disappointed father. No, but He is looking at you, wanting you to turn to Him, wanting you do, to be able to, to join Him in doing life together. He wants to carry your burden with you. He wants you to do life. And it's when we turn to Him, we recognize the goodness of who He is. We recognize of all that He has done for us and is able to do in and through us. Our perspective on life completely changes because we're no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for something far greater than ourselves. We're living for eternity and not just the finite time that we have here on this earth. So brothers and sisters in Christ, let me encourage you, wherever you find yourself today, stop and turn back towards Jesus. If God is doing great things in your life, stop and praise him for what he's doing. If it's been a while since you've gone and spent time in his word or in prayer, stop and open to God's word Go to his word and read of his love for you. From from Genesis all the way to Revelations, God's love is deeply explained for you. And then stop and pray and ask him to work in your heart. See, God is calling us to be meek and to follow him. Let's lean into Jesus today. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your time here. Father, we pray that you would just continue to work in and through us as a church. And Father, I pray for those who are watching today, Lord, that you allow us to be able to choose to be meek. Father, it's a word that we don't use very often, but God, I pray that you would work in our hearts to recognize that we don't use our strength and our power, Father, our words, our actions, the authority and the positions that you've given us to tear people down, to go against people, to hurt others, Father. No, we look for opportunities to care for others. Father, we don't look for opportunities to hurt those who have hurt us, Father, but no, we look for those opportunities to care for them and point them to your redemption. Father, I pray that we would be a people who love you deeply and care for you mightily. God, I pray that our lives would be examples of that day in and day out. Father, our words would be examples of that to those around us. And so, Father, we praise you and we thank you for all that you're doing. We ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.